I saw an interview with Charlie Adler, who's a great voice oh, actor yes. and voice acting director. And um, he uh, he just simply said that he used to sing in the car on the way to a session, do whatever he was doing, and then sing on the way back. So that's where, if there was any sort of like preparation technique or something, that's what I would do. I would sing. And, uh, and for this is totally true. For Primal, I have about like a maybe like a 45 minute drive from my apartment to the student to Cartoon Network. And on that drive, I, uh, <clears throat> I sing like 90s rap songs. Nice. But in like opera <laughs> voice. Really? So, so it's like. Uh, what does Tupac sound like for you? The east side of the LBC <laughs> on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. <laughs> And I, I do that because um, I know the lyrics to all of them. <laughs> just just kind of, I, I, when I was in the theater in Seattle yeah. to make my, to make my uh, fellow actors laugh, sometimes I would do that in rehearsals. So I resorted to doing that on the way. And, uh, and also just really just kind of making the effort sounds, but not going full force with them, but yeah. just really um, warming myself up. And uh, and sometimes I would make silly Instagram videos. Like if you go on my Instagram, it's at uh, Duder three D O O D E R, the the number three, and scroll down a little bit, you can see videos of me <laughs> doing weird shit with my voice. Uh, and I'm just outside a Cartoon Network about to do Primal. Yeah, that's how I'm warming myself up, and I'm getting the motivation to warm <laughs> myself up by making a silly video. Hey, you guys, it's your host Julian. This week, I sit down with the voice of Spear from Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal, Mr. Aaron LaPlante. In this episode, we chat about how Gendy and Aaron linked up, how Aaron got to work on Primal, and we just got to geek out about animation, monsters, and so much more. The Comic-Con story of watching it out in the wild with fans is pretty dope, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I really had a lot of fun talking with Aaron. He's such a cool dude, down-to-earth man, and like I said, Primal was my favorite show Last year, they knocked it out of the park from production to animation to backgrounds to voicing. I love the show from start to finish. You guys will hear that. If you're enjoying this podcast, man, drop us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. Tell a friend and tell a family member. Thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoy this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's in My Head podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Aaron LaPlante, the voice of Spear from my favorite show, Primal. Aaron, how are you, sir? Hi, good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, man. I, I when I reached out to you, I literally there's a couple times where I've reached out to guests. You being one, Craig McCracken, the you know the creator of Powerpuff Girls and uh, Wander Over mm -hmm. Yonder, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Uh, there was a couple times, like I said, where I reached out to somebody and I got my phone in my hand and I see a notification pop up. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this notification was. And it was Aaron LaPlante. I'm like, uh, 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 he wants to come on my show. And I dropped my phone, right? Dropped my phone all the way down the stairs. Man. So like I said, I've been super, oh, it's okay. It was in an otter box. It's fine. It was perfectly worth it dropping the phone to see your name come up. Say, yes, I would love to come on your show, man. So like I said, super pumped for this one. Uh, so taking it back for the fans that might know, I would love to know how you and Gendy linked up for you to voice Spear for Primal. Uh, well, the first time I ever did voiceover as a cartoon character was in front of Gendy, if you hmm. can believe it. Um, I, I had a meeting once with a casting director at Sony. She was kind enough to take a meeting with me. She's an animation casting director. And when we talked, 
we just kind of talked about everything under the sun. I wasn't even in the Screen Actors Guild or anything. She was just nice enough to talk to me and she seemed to like me and a month or so went by and then she had my email and she said, we're working on a Popeye movie at Sony and we need somebody to do the temporary voice of the character of Bluto. And, and obviously I was familiar with Popeye and Bluto. So I went and looked on YouTube just to remind myself of his voice. And Bluto kind of talks out of the side of his mouth like this. And so I sent, so I, I recorded it and sent it over to her and she showed it to Gendy and he said, yes. And so when I went into the studio, I was playing Bluto in front of Gendy Tartakovsky. <laughs> so I don't know that's just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say other than that. That was really surreal, but I, you know, like right away, I think he, I, yeah, I don't know. I can see, I can't really speak uh, for him, but we had a good time working together. I think I made him laugh and I think that he liked what I was doing and that project didn't go any, but then that's how we connected. And then over the years, I've been lucky enough to do hotel Transylvania too. I did a lot of um, the background monsters mm -hmm. And then Hotel Transylvania Three, The Gremlins. And we can talk about that stuff later. But so I, I don't. I think I've been in almost everything he's done since what well, he was working on Popeye in some capacity, even if it was just one line or something. So when this came about, because of because of my, uh, you know, just because of the guttural nature of Bluto, maybe, or he just knew that I had a voice to be able to do something like Spear. And he didn't really know whether or not he wanted um, uh, I like an animalistic voice or if he wanted a more human voice. So when we, so when I went to Cartoon Network and and was recording with him, we just an hour, and he decided whether or not he wanted it to be like <laughs> like something like that, or like <laughs> more human, or. <laughs> which what it became which is like in the very back of the throat so that's how it happened <laughs> that's awesome man I, I didn't know about the popeye and blue thing uh one of my friends uh, another fellow podcaster his name is brandon uh he does the animation destination podcast if you like this one you're gonna love his show man so go and check that one out ladies and gentlemen um but uh he was actually the one that uh hit me to gendy's popeye right so i think for the little while, there's actually a clip up there. Um, I don't know if it's been since been taken down by Sony or anything like that, but it was going around. And I didn't know that you were you were doing the stand and then finally cast as Bluto for the project. I'm hoping that that one will come back around because, like I said, yeah, Gendy and and like I said, I, I told you before, and the fans know Gendy is is if there's a Mount Rushmore. He's on the first two or three spots of my round, Mount Rushmore. I mean, he's just a phenomenal, That's phenomenal true. creator. And then what he's done with Primal is this this doesn't feel like a 22-minute cartoon, right? This feels like a Tarantino. This feels like a film. I'm sitting here watching this, and the way the title card comes up, I mean, I showed my show. So there's certain shows that I'll go on. If I want to get somebody hooked on it, I go to a specific episode. So for Rick and Morty, I'm going to go and show everybody Pickle Rick, right? If I'm going to go show everybody Primal, the Red Mist episode, is one of the greatest things I have ever seen in my life. I mean, from start to finish, like I've got, you can't really tell right now. You couldn't tell in, in the Zoom call. I got goosebumps right now, man. Thinking about that, I've watched that episode so many times now at this point. Just like I said, it looked like a film. This is what this show feels. It feels like a, a film that's broken up into 10 parts. It's beautiful. Uh, the writing is excellent. The acting is excellent. The 
art is amazing, right? Um, with something like this, when he approaches you and you, you, you know, you, you went through the whole like three different stages of what spear could possibly sound like. Um, and this was a question we got asked a lot of by the fans. What does your throat feel like after doing this voice, this voice session? You, like a lot of people are asking, do you drink tea? Do you drink bourbon? Do you drink water? What are you drinking to recuperate during this? Um, well, when we first started, I'm, when we first started, I just kind of went in there and went for it. And that, those are the scariest times because I think I had something to prove. I was trying to, even though I was, <laughs> even though Gendy was like, yes, you're going to do this. I still, <laughs> when we did the first episode, I still wanted to prove, I had something yeah. to prove to him. And when you have something to prove, that's when you can screw up your voice. And, uh, and I kind of did, frankly, I mean, it kind of hurt afterwards, but you know, I saw an interview with Charlie Adler, who's a great voice, oh, actor yes. and voice acting director and um he uh he just simply said that he used to sing in the car on the way to a session do whatever he was doing and then sing on the way back so that's where if there was any sort of like preparation technique or something that's what i would do i would sing and uh and for this is totally true for primal i have about like a maybe like a 45 minute drive from my apartment to the student to cartoon network and on that drive, I uh, <clears throat> I sing like '90s rap songs, nice, but in like, opera voice. Really? So, so it's like, uh, what does Tupac sound like for you? The east side of the LBC <laughs> on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. <laughs> and I I do that because um, I know the lyrics to all of them. <laughs> This is kind of I I when I was in the theater in Seattle yeah. to make my to make my uh, fellow actors laugh. Sometimes I would do that in rehearsals, so I resorted to doing that on the way, and uh, and also just really just kind of making the effort sounds, but not going full force with them, but yeah. just really um, warming myself up. And uh, and sometimes I would make silly Instagram videos, like if you go on my Instagram. It's uh, at Duder three D O O D E R, the the number three, and scroll down a little bit. You can see videos of me <laughs> doing weird shit with my voice, uh, and I'm just outside a Cartoon Network about to do Primal. Yeah, that's how I'm warming myself up, and I'm getting the motivation to warm <laughs> myself up by making a silly video. So you can see some. So there's that, and then when I'm in there, I drink a lot of water, obviously, the whole time. And um, if you're into anime, manga, comic books, movie reviews, or just pop culture, Spoiler Force Podcast is the place for you. Not only do I talk about nerdy topics, I have conversations with a variety of guests, such as musicians, Comic-Con artists, cosplayers, other podcasters, and people from all over the world. Join me as I go on this journey to find ways to help others express themselves with their creativity. And then afterwards, I drink this stuff that I don't recall what it's, I can't remember what it's called, but it is a, you can get it in any Chinatown. It's like a Chinese cough syrup, basically, yeah. that's all natural. And it was told to me by a man named John Olson, who was in uh, Rage of the Ape Men, the episode of Primal. Yeah, He played the, the, the like shaman ape. He was the voice of that shaman ape. And he he had this stuff and he said that he had um who does the incredible hulk 
and every other giant, you know, deep voiced character. And so he swore by that stuff. So I would, so I mix it with water and just like gargle with it and drink it down because you can just kind of drink it down. I mean, it's, yeah. it tastes all right. It's kind of sweet. It's weird. But that's the what I do to condition my voice. And luckily, uh, the, the schedule for Primal really is that I never, it's never on a set schedule. I never know when they're, they want me to come in there. It's only whenever they need me. And usually it's like once every like maybe month and a half. So who, you know, who knows? I mean, I actually can't even honestly say because sometimes a few months will go by. I mean, you know, it's just kind of whatever their schedule is. And then, and I'm not like privy to their schedule. I just kind of hang around until they call me, you know? So that is, so what we usually do for uh, episodes is we'll take a piece of the episode, we cut that out, and then we put that at the front of the episode. So it kind of hooks somebody into what they can expect. 100% we're using Opera Snoop Dogg at the beginning of this episode. That is one of my favorite stories. I've. This is, man, we're going on probably 120 plus episodes that I've recorded so far. Um, that's probably one of my favorite. That's top three stories I've ever heard on here. That is phenomenal. Uh, what's your... What's your Y'all go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's what I, you know, as it pertains to the experience of Primal, I mean, that's what I have to say. I told you earlier before we turned the mics on that I uh, don't, um, I'm not in a, I can't really speak to like Gendy's motivations yeah. or his creative process or anything. So it's kind of like that kind of stuff. I feel like over time, when asked to talk about my experience with Primal, that's the kind of stuff that I have to really say about it. You know, what I mean, that, that's such a phenomenal story to have, too, man. What's your go to songs before you walk in? What gets you in the spear mindset? What uh, what 90s hip hop? Oh, I mean, it's just it's just it's not even the song itself. It's just the fact that I am reinterpret uh, interpreting it as this like heroic song. And sometimes I will listen to like Les Mis, the song Stars in particular, because uh, uh, I like I like musicals when I was a kid. And uh and so it's really the I really it's not like metal or anything like that. It's all very like heroic um, and rap songs because I mean I like uh, to be able to do spear you have to kind of have timing yeah uh, and rhythm. I mean any voice and there's a lot of I mean every every voice actor I think has to have a sense of timing and I and I'm stealing this from Gendy because when people have asked him about me that's something that I've heard him mention is mm -hmm. uh, as having a sense of timing. And, you know, Phil Lamar has an exquisite sense of timing and oh, yeah. he is the voice of one of Gendy's most famous characters. Samurai Jack. Uh, yeah. So it's, so it's like, um, and, and, and I, that's how I started doing this uh, was doing sketch comedy. Yeah. And so even though I didn't do the same kind of sketch comedy as Phil Lamar did, he was on a really famous show, if you if you remember, uh, Mad TV. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something to be said about that. A lot of sketch comedians become voice actors. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I said, thank you for sharing that story. Um, so like I said, we're going to jump around here just a little bit, uh, you know, within Primal and with a couple other projects. Um, at what point during this series like we talked earlier ladies and gentlemen we said uh because aaron's here is caught up i mean as by the time this one drops the show will have wrapped um but the what was it the colossus part three i think is the the latest episode from last week um but when did you know like i always like asking these 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 questions because most of the time 
you'll get an answer like we didn't know we were just trying to make something good and we hope people liked it that's generally the answer i get whenever i ask this one but uh do you know did you have a sense of like oh man this show is going to be something or this show is something was there an episode or was there a series was there a breakdown was it a talk at a, at a you know storyboard pitch when did you yeah. kind of know that this show was going to be something well i was really lucky to um the way they i was able to see it for the first time on a big screen like, mm-hmm. like in a movie theater and uh something that i never had the benefit of hearing was the music yes when i record it i see a lot of the visuals and maybe some i'm i think pretty much i don't know i mean i wouldn't i don't know but i think that i might be like one of the last things that they do you know they create everything and then and then uh the voices might i don't know i'm not i'm 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 not sure but it feels like that because Mm -hmm. when i'm watching it on the screen obviously i'm affected by it to try to get to try to rise to the level of the animation Mm -hmm. because the performance is created by the animators yeah it always is anyway but i'm but i mean like you know a lot of animators and voice actors are kind of go hand in hand whereas again and i'm not trying to diminish anything my contribution i'm just saying it's kind of an interesting experience as a voice actor because a lot of times you record the voice first and they animate to it later Mm -hmm. or they're animating to it and they're just matching it up however they do it i don't know but in this one it's all done yeah so as much as like i look at it and am affected by it and go oh my gosh and have um i early on i used to ask andy what's that or where does that whatever and he'd show me whatever i wanted to see Mm -hmm. so that it would help get the performance right but then I, very quickly i was like just forget everything you saw just try just watch it and try as best you can and as quickly as you can in as least amount of takes as you can just do it and so you can everybody can get out of there yeah and i can forget about it completely because i think i like we were talking before i don't know if i already said this or not but I uh, when it comes on TV, I want to experience it like everybody else. Absolutely. So I see it. And so it's hard for me to like in the early stages of it. I was just kind of I mean, look, (laughs) it was like it's 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 high art (laughs) and you're just kind of there for it. You know what I mean? It's like um, I was telling you before, it's like before we even started the thing, it's like this great uh, I don't this is. I don't mean to, I'm not trying to kiss anybody's ass here. I'm just saying it's like a great artist is yes. doing great art. And then they go, Hey, Aaron, come here for a second. Help me out with this one part of it. And I go, I come in for a second and I do that and I leave. Mm-hmm. And then they just keep, you know what I mean? So it's this amazing thing about like be almost feeling like you're on the outside, but on the inside. And I'm, this is not, I'm, I'm not trying to burst anybody's bubble about the experience. All I'm saying is, it is a particularly unique experience. Oh, I can uh, imagine. And it just is. Yeah, I can imagine, man. And and storyboards, storyboard artists need writers. Writers need producers. Producers need directors. Directors need creators. And we all need voice actors, man. Everybody has a vital part. One thing that I absolutely love about animation is it's super collaborative. What I do for a living, I cook for a living, right? I do this on my nighttime. I do this at the nighttime as I butcher the English language. Uh, and I do this for fun, right? But with cooking, it's super collaborative. I can't do everything that they're supposed to do and what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I could, but it'd be a 22-hour day and I need some kind of sleep. And I've got a family and I've got some dogs and I've got a house. And I, all my stuff is obviously 
all of my stuff is here. So I want to make sure I've got some time at home too. So it's super collaborative. And I, I love how you broke it down, man. Cause there's a lot of people, you know, both on camera and off camera will say, Oh, what I do is the most important thing. What I do is more important than that. So it's nice and refreshing to hear. And that's nothing against any of the guests I've had on. Um, but it's nice to hear that, 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 you know, man, it's, it's super collaborative. Everybody's got their part to play and everybody has to excel at that. You don't get the beautiful, amazing show that this is if everybody isn't in unison. Everybody isn't working to put out the best, beautiful, most important show on TV right now. So well, I, guess I was, I was, I was, we did a panel at Comic-Con and Scott Wills, the, uh, the art director. Beautiful work. Beautiful work. And he yes. just, you know, when I heard him talk about it, I mean, he was, he, uh, I, 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 in that moment, I felt sort of a kindred spirit in my sort of bewilderment. Obviously he works way closer with Gendy than mm -hmm. I do, but he had this thing where he kind of spoke to when he first started working with Gendy. And uh, he spoke to the fact that he's just kind of like, all right, well, I obviously do what I do, but I'm going to go with this guy. <laughs> I'm just going to work with him. Like I want to work with him, you know? And I, and it's, for me, it's one of those things where it's nothing that I can control, but obviously when I first worked with him, that's how I felt too. Just like, geez, I mean, like, you know, I, it feels really, it gives me a lot of self-esteem that what's something I have that he finds useful sometimes. Yeah. It's it's an honor, you know? Yeah. It really, I can imagine, man, and everybody that I've ever had on, I've had quite a few people that have worked on Samurai Jack with the Powerpuff Girls when he was producing Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's when Dexter's was was going. Nobody's ever said anything less than the guy was, the guy is so far ahead of his time. He is a master at his craft. He's a genius, right? You see the work he puts out. It's second to none, in my opinion. Um, but uh, going back to, uh, well, let's stay on Gendy for just a second. What's your favorite? I always like asking this question because it's always interesting what kind of stories we can pull out of you guys. Uh, what's your favorite Gendy story? Do you have one that uh, whenever you think of Gendy comes to mind? Um, I mean, I here's the thing about my working, my relationship, my working relationship with him. I mean, Comic-Con was an incredible experience. Yeah. I mean, look, I... Uh, was that your first one? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when when Primal first came out and they premiered it, I went, I drove down there and just kind of like went in, watched it on the big screen and then left. So it wasn't like a, an actual Comic-Con experience, but Gendy, we were all there and it was, mm -hmm. I mean, it was, a it was cool because it was like, I just got to be there by myself um, in terms, I don't mean by myself, I just mean like, I, th this huge thing was going on and yeah. i was just there you know what i mean like there were like it's yeah i don't know anyway uh i would say that my the, the my favorite thing about gendy the favorite thing i story i tell about him mm -hmm. is a general story and it is that uh not anymore but early on because i was so green and because i didn't know anything you're like teaching yourself how to do this like amazing thing it, in front of one of the greatest fucking animators yes. to ever live yes uh, but i didn't know but i didn't but i at the time i was just kind of like doo, doo, you know what i mean <laughs> i was just like doing whatever i thought i should do yeah so i uh, i think that i think now i would be a lot more intimidated i think at the time you're just kind of i had uh, luckily i was very lucky in that i could just be like i, I want to be pluto for you <laughs> you know what i mean like, um but uh, when, sorry, sorry. Uh, oh, you're perfectly fine. To get to the story, 
when um whenever i would be done with a recording session with him i always would leave and i would go it was like i just went on a date with a girl that's really out of my league <laughs> i had fun i think she had fun <laughs> not that gendy's a she but you know what i'm saying absolutely like, it's like, yes because uh he was always because gendy is um just like that like just kind of like yeah man that was great yeah and for like such an insecure for an insecure actor you kind of it gives you that kind of like okay <laughs> you know what i mean and uh early so it was just so funny that like that was that was such a memorable experience because it let me just kind of develop it's not like gendy and it's so cool he just kind of um doesn't he doesn't say like okay aaron you're on a horse okay and then you know what i mean he just kind of either shows me or tells me very simply and he i'm there for a reason he and i don't know i don't know sorry that's not even a gendy story that's just an overall like something that i is the most memorable thing about him is that you know in, in, a, in a business or just in a world of a lot of pomp and circumstance and just people kind of i don't know genuine genuine personalities where it's like i am doing this thing and this is what you're helping and this is how you're helping me do this thing it was nice to see you i'll see you again maybe and i'm just kind of like yeah okay you know but over these years i've just been it's been a lucky but also i just get to keep coming back uh sorry if i seem terminally bewildered but i mean that's oh. the truth of it no, it's perfectly fine, man. I really appreciate you getting to explain your experience. I really enjoy that, man. And and what I like about questions like, hey, man, what was your experience with Gendy? Everybody's got something different, right? Uh, from Robert Alvarez, a guy that's been in the animation industry 50 plus years. He's a national treasure, man. I tell that. Like he ushered in the guys like the Gendys, the Craig McCrackens, the Rob Renzettis, you know, the people that changed they took what Cartoon Network was at that point in time, which was just a place where they bought out the Hanna-Barbera libraries and were just replaying that, replaying Looney Tunes. Um, and then <clears throat> with the innovation from Betty Cohen, um, Fred Seibert, Linda Semensky, um, Mike Lazo, you know, they took what Cartoon Network was then and then they catapulted it to what it is now i mean obviously if you talk depending on what side of the fan base you talk to whether it's folks my age 30s um they'll say it's complete shit now if you talk to kids in their 20s they're like oh my god it's the greatest network so it's it's it definitely in flux right now with the hbo merger with discover with cartoon network and warner and all that shit so it's it's in this huge uproar however uh, the whole point of that is is getting to see stories and hear stories from you like robert like randy uh, robert and zeddy craig about working with with gendy like i said it's it's always fascinating to hear what you guys's personal experiences were so thank you for sharing that story i really appreciate that story um so with with the show like primal obviously we talked about you know you watching it like you're a fan like us you're a fan of the show just like we are man you want to experience it just like we do um when you got to see it on that big screen at comic-con uh was there i think that was during covid times or was this before covid that it premiered it, it? before yeah it was before okay. i mean it was before it ever came out this was like comic-con so that's july uh, and, 2019 uh, I, yeah and then you know that came out in october 
so I was, I mean, it was, yeah. And I just, and it was outside and I kind of, I'd never been to Comic-Con before and yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was crazy. And, and it was, it was the experience of just kind of standing there by yourself. I mean, I'm not from here. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like you're something incredible is happening and you're just kind of experiencing it alone. I don't know why that's profound, even though Gendy was, we were all there. But um, I mean, it was just <laughs> one of the things that was really funny was there was two, we, they screened two episodes of it. The first two, uh, the first one in Spear and Fang and River of Snakes. And uh, and I thought the first River of Snakes, I really was like, kind of like, holy shit. Like I felt kind of proud of myself in terms of like what I had done or how I had helped out just uh because uh, spear does he does a lot of he does a lot in that one and uh sorry what was funny was everywhere i went people kept going sir you can't go here sir you can't go i'm like i'm sorry i, I i'm sorry i i do the voice of that and the, and people and people still do this they're like well he doesn't talk i'm like i know he doesn't talk i know i know but he but he makes he makes a sound <laughs> you know if you, if you watch it he makes and they're just like, sir, you can't. And at one point, I think I remember, maybe I'm I'm sugarcoating this story a little bit, but I think there was there was a just a perfectly nice person that said uh, we were walking back after the screening was over. Gendy and um, his family and the, the producers and our Scott Wills and, and and they're all walking back, and I'm kind of walking with them, and they're like, sir, you can't. And I was like, that I'm the voice. I'm the voice. That the, the caveman guy. I do the voice. <laughs> And they were like, okay, God. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not, I don't mean to, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it was great. I, to answer your question, it was great. It was a wonderful, amazing uh, sort of experience. And then also um, walking back and just kind of talking. I, I was talking to Gendy and I kind of just like, I got kind of emotional. I had a moment where I, you know, it was, I mean, I'm not going to say what I said, but it was, it was just kind of like, it was a cool, it was fucking cool. It was yeah. great. It was I got all the things ever. Now, yeah. when, when they premiered those two episodes, was there, I got to imagine there was a huge crowd of people that got to see all this. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a few thousand people. Yeah. I mean, cause they did it outside. They usually adult swim or, or different. I mean, it was different this year, but they took over the whole sort of outside area outside the uh, convention center, the lawn area, and they had like a big stage or whatever. And yeah, it was great. What was that like? I mean, now collectively, whenever you go, I'm a huge movie goer. I, I love like going to the movies is my Disney world. I love the pageantry. I love walking in and smelling the popcorn. This is going to sound stupid. I love when I step in gum, even though I hate when I step in gum. Like that whole process of going yeah. to the movies is super magical. There's something special about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know where that got ingrained in my head, but it's just like you see it was like a special occasion, especially for us growing up. I mean, it's not like we were dirt poor, but, you know, five kids, single mom. It was kind of difficult yeah. for, you know, all of it. Right. So, yeah, it was a special moment. Um, so whenever I get to go to the movies, it's a collective experience. You're sitting there, you're laughing with everybody else. Like everybody's crying at the same scene or angry at this one character laughing at the stupidest joke possible. So I got to imagine you performing something that you recorded and then they went and showed it to thousands of people. What was that experience for you? Like specifically sitting in a crowd of people watching them watch what you guys put together. 
what was that experience like? Um, I think I just uh, was uh, just watching it with them. Yeah. And uh, and kind of taking it in like they were taking it in and actually not aware because I was, you know, just because I'm, I mean, I still feel kind of inexperienced, you know what yeah. I mean? Just because voiceover careers don't really go the way they used to. There's a lot to work. There's a lot of work to be done, but it really just kind of, <laughs> It's not like, you know, you don't, it's not like Ninja Turtles where you do a show and there's like 20 some odd episodes of it and you're just, you're employed. It's kind of like you do a little bit here, you do a little bit there. I mean, Primal is one of the only things that I've ever done that I've got to be in every episode of it. Yeah. And um, so, to, so I didn't, I just kind of was like watching it with everybody. And I think that sort of at the end when Gendy did a little bit, little talk, because again, when we work together, he doesn't. He doesn't share with me his like motivations, but you know yeah. what I mean? It, it, he doesn't, I don't, he doesn't need to. Uh, we just, I just go, holy shit, that's amazing. And then I try to <laughs> rise to the occasion, but, uh, but holy shit, I'm sorry. What was the question? Oh, it's oh, what was it? oh sorry. What was it yeah. like? Um, so yeah, it was, it's a, it's just a great memory, but I didn't feel anything other than just like, holy shit, this is a great show. <laughs> Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's a great, that's, I mean, like I said, it's echoing the same sentiments from us fans. Um, <clears throat> is there any episode that you're more proud of than, than one of the others? Does one or two of them stick out maybe from season one? Yeah. Season two? Um, they asked that, somebody asked that at Comic-Con and where they said, what are our favorite ones? And the coven of witches one mm -hmm. is such a great episode anyway. But uh, when I, when I go back, you know, there are some, um, that one in particular, because there's that one where the, the guy is like being burned, the other, not spear, but the guy, like uh, the, the yeah. guy burned over the fire. I did all that screaming too. And, uh, and that episode was recorded um, after, after every, after COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So I it, just in my, <laughs> I was like really uh, cooped up, wasn't working, was yeah um and uh and i was working as a bartender and, and a bartender uh, and a server and i lost my job and so i was just kind of like okay so then when we got to do that i was really like so i mean i obviously give it all i got when we do these episodes but mm -hmm. that was a different experience it was also remote because the the first season for the most well no um the, fir the first five episodes at least again we were in the room together yeah but uh, it's been a long time since we've not a long time, not a long time, but it's been a, it's been a while since we've been in the room together. And so, uh, yeah, uh, that one, um, when I, I don't know, when I listen to it or when I see it, it sort of evokes something in me that's, I'm just like, that was a crazy fucking time. <laughs> you know, yeah, it transports like, you back to that time. Yeah. And then also the episode is just incredible because there, there's just the going back in time. I don't know. It was incredible. And then, yeah. uh, and then the red mist oh. when, um, because a lot, when spear is, is fighting these guys hand to hand, not always, not certainly not in the later episodes, but early on like that, mm -hmm. uh, I'm doing both of the voices in in some instances and that felt kind of cool to be able to do that and when it was put together it felt like i felt kind of proud of that 
because there's something to be said about um you know it's like stage acting film acting voice acting to me it's obviously it's all acting but it's it, it's different and i think with voice acting particularly and with film acting but with voice acting particularly is that the performance is done in in moments and for primal if there's this big sequence where this huge fight is happening and i'm trying um sorry this no, huge fine. fight is happening. trying not to make more out of it than it. Sorry. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. I'm kind of self-conscious about this kind of stuff because it is my experience. But anyway, sorry. So uh, to be able to like snap into a moment of performance and then snap right back out of it and just sit there and again, and people talk or whatever and you watch it or whatever. And then, and then go from no just chilling out to then snapping right back into the intensity and going back and forth like that. I think um, specifically voice acting, that's what that's all about. I mean, obviously film acting, because you say action and cut and any any kind of acting. I'm not saying one's anyone's better than the other, but yeah. for, for this one specifically, there's just something that's uh that's kind of it that's so crazy about that's so crazy that's the challenge of it i guess but i'm helped so much by the fact that i get to see it while i'm doing it it's not like i make it again he says make this kind of sound and i make it i'm watching it mm -hmm. every time spear makes a sound i'm watching uh, every do it clip by clip so i watch and see what he does and how he opens his mouth and how long he opens his mouth and then i just try to do it and uh because i've done a lot of anime i, I had some experience doing that and and almost that's the cornerstone of almost any actor's career. At one time or another, actors have to do that. A lot of on-camera actors have to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. They shoot something out in the fucking desert or whatever, and you can't hear them. Then they have to go back in and match their own intensity. I mean, I think it's uh, it's 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 a crazy thing that I hadn't. Um, even though it's like doing anime, it was def. There's something I don't know. There's something unique about it. Now you said something I wanted to circle back to. Now it's a two-parter, really. Whenever you're watching it and you're getting into that headspace, like you said, you're snapping in, you're snapping out, you know, you'd go from super intense to now I'm airing again. Now I'm super intense, right? Was there any point in time while recording anything for the show Primal where you're sitting there, you're trying to get in that mode and then you see something, you're like, holy fucking shit, this is a show I'm working on. I got to imagine you've had, like, like I said, there's some moments in the show where you go, holy shit, they went for it on this one. Was there yeah. any of those moments where it took you right out? There was two moments. One, Rage of the Eight Men, just <laughs> the fighting. And, I mean, you know, just and then and then when he turns into that, I mean, like when he, I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> I mean, it was that was crazy. That was crazy. I mean, I was just like, and then um, and then the play, uh, the plague of madness. Yes. Just the look, just the, what it. I mean, yeah, that was that just kind of blew my mind. It's kind of threw me off a little bit creepy as shit yeah that because that was the one with the dinosaur that was infecting everything right yeah dude yeah. that yeah. like i don't know what it was it was probably if we're going to be honest it was probably the weed aaron because i like i said i'll watch these things twice i get super duper baked the night it drops i, I usually stay up because i usually have thursdays off i don't have thursdays off tomorrow but i usually have thursdays off and then i stay up as late as possible because i'm doing podcasts usually wednesday night and then i'm doing some editing i'm doing some stuff to get you know everything set up for you know so i don't have yeah. to do it all in one day 
And I usually stay up long enough to watch uh, Primal on, on Thursdays. And then so I'm sitting there, I'm watching it. I remember specifically because I was home at this point in time because uh, we weren't working as much because I also work, like I said, I work in the food industry. So we all got sent home and it sucked, man. Like You didn't know when you were going to get a job again, right? So, you know, a few months passed and I'm in Florida. So everything was the wild, wild west out here. So it kind of opened up a little, it was opened up a lot. You know, so we started going back to work, but I still wasn't working as much as I usually do. So I had plenty of time, plenty of free time. I remember <clears throat> very rough day. So it was a two joint kind of days, right? So I'm sitting there, I come back in and I'm space cadetted. Like if you've ever watched Star Wars and you close your eyes when they're going, you know, light speed, that's what it felt like when I closed my eyes. I thought I was interdimensional traveling, right? So I remember putting this episode. I'm like, oh shit, they got a new episode. To Fuck yeah, man. I'm so I'm super pumped. And I remember like, oh, this is, I really should turn the lights on. I really wish my wife was up right now because I'm starting to feel like this shit's behind me. That episode scared the shit out of me when I was, when I was fucked up. Yeah, so that's, I, that's so good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I love it. I mean, cause yeah, I, I that's so great. Well, I was, you had said uh, earlier about how you, you got your son into it. He's yeah. what, 13? He'll be 13. And that's and that's super i mean around the i don't know I, I what has sustained me pretty much my whole life is the stuff that i like you know like this stuff oh yeah just like all you know was that uh, the universal uh, monsters up there yeah but those they're called soakies yeah they're the 60s and they yeah. had like bubble bath in them oh that's really cool man i've always been a frankenstein yeah yeah frankenstein monster has always been my favorite nice yeah so yeah so, so uh, what i'm saying is that like there's something about i just can't wait until like you know years from now there's like going to be some young person making some incredible show and they're going to be interviewed and somebody's going to be like so what were some of your influences and for them to be like well you know what i mean like it's yeah. it's inevitable and uh, I, I just look forward to that because it is this weird paying it forward yes. in a weird way of like, not I'm the, not that I'm paying it forward, but I am involved in something that's yes. paying that forward in terms of nostalgia. Because sometimes you can see something and, and, and I don't mean nostalgia in like a Marilyn Monroe picture that you hang on your dorm room wall. I mean like real nostalgia, you know, stuff yeah. that uh, is just, you take it with you your whole life. And thought provoking shop for you on your birthday mm -hmm. they know what to look for based on what you, you know what i mean like and so the fact that it's part of that uh and it and it might sustain people like yourself or anyone else that's listening to this mm -hmm. is just a uh, holy shit it's the best part about it that's the best part about it absolutely man uh can we pause for a second sorry can we pause for a second i'm gonna get a little bit more and we're back man and uh one more topic before we rotate into the fans' questions, because like I said, there was quite a few, and I didn't want to keep you all. Because uh, just to let you know, man, there's probably about 150 questions. A couple of, not a couple of, I'd probably say about 20% of the questions uh, were all the same thing uh, in different, I guess, uh, different iterations or different wordings. Uh, a lot of it was like, how do you not destroy your voice? What do you do in between takes? That type of stuff. Like I, I feel like I answered a lot yeah, yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, you answered that one for sure with the uh, the Chinese cough drop, that you can, or not cough drop, excuse me, cough syrup, um, and then gargling with water and stuff like that. Uh, so there's a lot of those, but like I said, there's a, quite a few good questions. Um, but but like I said, my favorite episode and what the the one episode that I sh continually show everybody 
is that Red Mist episode. Now, with the last week's episode where um, both – did they ever give a name to the big guy that was um, – he was the other slave that was uh, enslaved by the queen. I don't even know if, what her name was or if she even had a name. At the end, in the, in the credits, you just got to pause it and they'll – Yeah, you, yeah I got it. I mean, sometimes they'll give a name. Because yeah. I think it's important that the characters do have names, but then every now and again there'll be like guard number two or whatever. Or, yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah. So I think you could find that out if you just. Yeah, I'd have it. to. I have to Google that one out, man. But uh, just the big guy that was just this massive colossus of a person, and then he was being, um, pretty much like I said, enslaved because they were. He was afraid that the queen would kill his daughter. Um, that, that, that episode is so powerful that, that last episode, like I said, that just dropped, uh, last week, so powerful, but the red mist man start to finish. Like I said, the whole show's perfect, but this is like, in my opinion, this is like the cream of the crop, right? What macho man, Randy Savage said, the cream will always rise at the top. Uh, this is the cream that's rising to the top. This episode. Perfect. Um, one of my favorite scenes in this entire episode was right before the red mist rolls in. Right. And then you start to see uh, pretty much just shit go crazy. Everything, the shit hits the fan. And so few words, the shit hits the fan. And it's the scene where uh, Fang would jump up on top. Right. So you hear the dinosaur before you even see it. Right. So it's got this suspense that's building up like old school horror movies, like Alien in particular. Right. You would you would hear the the alien. You wouldn't see it just for a split second. And that's it was building that suspense. Right. So you're hearing the dinosaur. You're hearing this dinosaur jumps up on the building, does that beautiful roar and then it falls straight through the fucking house. I thought thought that was so funny. It, It gives that it builds up this super suspenseful moment and then it cracks for just a second to bring some kind of humor. So what I've found in these shows that not only Genny does, but a lot of folks that are that are masters of the craft, what they do is they bring you up and they bring you back down just a little bit to bring you way back higher than what it just what the bar was just set at. So I, I love the pacing of this show. But one of the most telltale signs of of the entire episode is you see the conflict in Spear when he kills the kid by accident. I mean, obviously, you know, he had a kid, he had a family of his own and then it was wiped out. Same thing with Fang had a family wiped out um, and then he kills this kid and then you see everything on his face what i love about this show you know there's very little dialogue whatsoever right and then you everything is everything is character driven everything is you're supposed to be looking at these characters it's it's there was a story i heard about gandhi where he learned english by watching looney tunes right he came from russia he didn't know english he didn't know how to communicate so he learned all of this stuff and i I think it might have been randy myers where it was saying he's like he took that 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 what he what he saw and grew up on and he implemented that into his work so with animation you shouldn't really need voices you shouldn't need to hear stuff you should be able to see whatever's on that character you should be able to know what he's thinking and you guys like i said have have knocked that out so bad but when you see that scene of spear smashing that kid on a rock and he's like oh fuck i just killed a kid you see something switch and change in him now with you particular when you're when you see in that scene does that affect you that like like how how do you get in that headspace where you're like oh fuck i just killed this kid not obviously you but you know your character like i just killed this kid like what's going through your head when you're trying to navigate how to convey what spears going through during this scene uh yeah well i think the benefit that i have is that uh i get to react to stuff at the same time that he is 
So when he does something for the first time, I'm doing it for the first time with it, yeah. you know, because I kind of think of, I don't think of myself as, as I think of my, I think of Spear as this incredible character and I'm his voice. Yeah. I think more about being voice than I think about being like him. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if he needs to react to something, uh, it's, it's the, the animation is so striking that I have that benefit. I think that's why it's so unique because you get that in, you get that in anime a lot where you just get to really see what is happening and have an organic reaction to it, but you're as the character, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, I mean, yeah. So it really is just trying to get it right. Just trying to rise to the occasion, just trying to rise to the level. Just, um, I mean, obviously this is all about imagination, Yeah. but sometimes you get things that help you with your imagination. If you're an actor on a set, um or on stage you're wearing a costume the other actors are wearing costumes they're acting with you so you get you you get the benefit of of that not to say that it's any easier but um so i is i'm as a voice actor i think i'm lucky to get the extra benefit of the visual mm -hmm. now when you're watching shows like these now i asked this you might know them you might not but uh i know you've done some anime work too but uh, Kyle Abair, any chance you know him? No, I've heard that name before for sure, but it is, I mean, another thing about the voiceover business, or at least the one that I'm in, mm -hmm. is that I'm kind of alone all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, you hear the stories about actors getting to be in the room together and kind of playing off each other. And uh, I've, I got to do that on Samurai Jack with yeah. Phil and, and, and some of the other, and, and Tara Strong and people like that which was incredible. That was one of the first times I ever got to be on a TV show. Yeah. And it was amazing. But so I hear these names and every now and again, especially with social media too. So you start yes. to follow people and you start to like, feel like you know them, but you actually don't. And then you have occasion to meet and it's kind of weird because you have this like deja vu about a person that you've never even met. Yeah. Uh, or never even been in, you know what I mean? But they know that you just went to Seattle for your cousin's wedding or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a weird thing. So yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I, I can't picture him, but I've heard that name of course before. Oh yeah. It's, it's perfectly fine. But before I ask you that question, are you from Seattle originally? I'm from a town called Lake Stevens, Washington, which is about an hour North of Seattle in what, in like Western Washington. My first duty station was Bremerton, Washington. That's where my oldest son was actually born. That is my favorite, yeah, favorite yeah. state I've ever lived in. It is funny. Uh, I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast, but uh, July, I want to say July 5th, my wife comes up there. I just had surgery uh, on July 4th of all days. Um, I had to have my gallbladder taken out, right? 19 yeah. years old, thought I was having a heart attack. They're like, yeah, man, you just got a gallstone. I was like, well, that sucks. How do we get rid of it? And they're like, well, we're going to have to put you under. I was like, fuck i don't i've never been under before i was scared i was just my first duty station first time being away from home uh so you know flash forward my wife comes out and she's a couple months pregnant at this point um and then once i start you know I'm, I'm able to like move and stuff again it took me about a month because they cut you like four times it's a lot better than what they used to do with the surgery where you've got this like long scar on the side of your ribs or whatever when they cut you up in like a fish um but it still it just took a long time for me to feel normal again right so we, I think it was Mount Olympia or Mount Olympus, something like that. I, I want to say it was Mount Olympia, but at the top of the mountain, they had this, um, they had this like opening that you could go to and you could look through these huge binoculars and you could see this whole forest and everything like this. Um, but when we went up to the top, there was uh, like this little breakaway path that you could, you know, hike up and then, you know, do a little trail stuff. 
And uh, we're hiking it up. And like I said, my wife's a few months pregnant now at this point. And the elevation's a lot higher than what we're used to in Florida because it's fucking sea level in Florida and you're up in mountains and shit. So, and she's pregnant. So it's a little bit harder for her, right? So we get to the top of this little hill that's probably like 20 feet from the, where the road started. And it's a straight climb up, right? And, you know, she's having trouble. So, you know, we started to walk back, but we saw this sign, right? And the sign says, beware of angry goat. And we're like, this can't be a real fucking sign, right? So we look, I uh, look and I take a picture. I've got the picture somewhere. It was back when you still had the four phones, really had good cameras. So I had a little, you know, disposable one. So I took a picture of it. But yeah, it was like this, uh, beware of uh, angry goat. And then underneath that, it says the goat has been known to charge and attack and bite people. So it's just these, these stories of this goat fucking chasing people through the mountains. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful state. It's my favorite state I've ever lived in. I wish... I tried to go back. I tried to get my wife to move back. She wouldn't do it. Yeah, I was. I I went up there a couple of weeks ago, and I unfortunately I have to go to a, I I have to go to a memorial up there. So oh, I'm going to Friday. I'm going to go up there and just be up there until Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful. Like I said, man, you, I don't have to tell you, man. It's a beautiful fucking state up there. Um, plus, not a lot of sun, and it's my people's time to shine. No pun intended. With no sun, I don't get sunburn. It's a great day. Um, but nonetheless, man. Uh. I don't even know how we got on this topic other than I just love that state. Um, but, you know, so we right, like to rotate in the fans question. I actually forgot to give you this one. I like to give this one uh, because it tends to trip people up. So, I'm, so I apologize. I forgot to do this one. Um, you get a Mount Rushmore, right? So since you're in the voice acting game, I'd love to keep it to your four favorite voice actors of all time or anybody that's inspired you. But you get four plus an honorable mention. So who's on your Mount Rushmore when it comes to voice actors? Eric Bauza. Oh man, I'm so glad you brought him up. He doesn't get brought up enough. Eric Bauza, uh, John DiMaggio, Ooh, another great one. Fred Tatasciur. Mm -hmm. Um. Um. And Lorraine Newman. Yeah. Yeah, she. Yeah, she's incredible. Uh. I mean, it's that's so hard because it, oh, it's it also I know a lot of these people, so it's like you fucking leave me off the list, there. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, it you know I'll tell you in terms of like my awareness of voice actors too, because I mean I liked cartoons when I was a kid. I like I'm I'm a movie guy. I love movies, horror movies in particular. Um, and so I was kind of not like ignorant of, but you know, I would, these characters, I didn't know who did the voice of these characters. And there was John DiMaggio's uh, documentary. I know that voice. And it really was just kind of this like, you know, just like a syllabus of all the best voice actors in the past and now. And I mean, there was a lot of people in that. And I would watch that and I would watch it in this kind of, you know, how sometimes you watch, I don't know, maybe you have this experience and I'm sure other pe people listening might, where um, like, I want to be a voice actor. So I watched that documentary and in a way it just kind of, I watch it just to kind of be around it and listen yeah. to people talk about it you know it's almost like by osmosis and i used to watch it all the time and then after a while i <laughs> this is weird but i would watch it and then um if i had like if i got a chance to do a voiceover session for something i would watch it the night before i did it and have that feeling of like i get to go and do this yeah tomorrow you know and um and one and for hotel transylvania two it was a group session, a loop group where we were playing all the different monsters. And for movies, um, it's really hard to get involved with those loop groups. 
and uh, I and I, you know, I got to be involved with it. So I watched the documentary the night before, and then the next day I show up, and a lot of them were there: Fred Tapscher, <laughs> Jess Harnell, Kari Waldron, Mona Marshall. You know what I mean? Like, like, and and Todd Habercourt, so many people. And I was, it was a crazy experience to just be like sitting there and in a loop group session, like, oh, we got this next cue. Who wants to do it? So like, I'm going to jump up in front of one of these amazing voice actors and be like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you want me to do it? You know, it was a crazy experience, but it was like, um, but again, I, like I said before, I mean, Eric Baus is a really good friend of mine, but I am also endlessly inspired by him. Yes. And uh, he passes off stuff, just like genius stuff in between bites of pizza. Like we're just having a pizza or something. He'll be like, you know what? And then he'll go into some kind of thing and I'll just be like, what the, what is going on? And then he'll just like take a bite of pizza and keep talking about whatever. Because you know how people do, you know how anybody does, everybody does this. You tell a story and you do the voices of the people in the story. You know, oh, my boss was like, hey, did you go uh, clean out the walk-in? Or like, whatever, you do the voice. And some people can do better voices than others. So when you're like hanging out with somebody like Eric Bauza or um, Brock Powell is another one. He's a great, great voice actor. Like hanging out with those guys and hearing them do the voices of just the people that they come in contact with. Mm -hmm. on um, Whether it be like, you know, somebody at the grocery store or somebody that they were talking to from an insurance company on the phone or something. I mean, it's that's where the shit is born. It's funny. To, it's cool to be there for that, you know. Absolutely, man. And uh, I got a quick story for you. So <clears throat> do you have kids? No. Okay, so they're the most honest, brutally honest people you'll ever meet, right? They are straight to the point, and they don't mean to hurt your feelings when they do mean to hurt your feelings, right? If that makes any sense. It's like a fucking paradox, right? So I would read – I read my kids' stories every night. My oldest, right, that just turned 13, he's a few years old at this point, and I was reading stories, and I tried to imitate voices that I think that these characters would sound like, right? I'm not very good, right? I would just you know, throw funny voices. And there was one point in time where he just wanted to go to sleep. He's like, dad, can we just skip the funny voices and just read it regular? He's like, you're not, you're not good at this. Just stick to cooking. That's what you're good at, man. Um, I was like, wow, this really cuts deep. I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I was good at this and uh, man, I'm not. So the, I just wanted to, I just wanted to echo your story. It's just like, man, I thought I was good. <laughs> But yeah, so they, they'll they'll cut you down. I, I I echo that same sentiment, man. Eric is a phenomenal actor, man, and the fact that he also did animating before. I love what he's doing with his uh, with his clothing company, the Retro Kids. So it's a free plug for for Eric there, man. I, I love what you're doing. Um, so the other one, uh, I'm not sure. Do you, this is gonna sound like an asshole of a question. Do you read much? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, but it's like. Um old monster magazines and mm -hmm. stuff <laughs> you know it's like uh or like um yeah i don't know i but i listen to podcasts and stuff and, yeah. and uh i watch the twilight zone i don't know i'm just kind of oh, like a, twilight zone. I don't know, a lazy consumer i don't know yeah why, why do you ask well i'm gonna ask you that but i'm gonna ask you another question real quick first what's your favorite podcast what's your favorite podcast to listen to and it's okay to say the what's in my head podcast the one you're on right now if you want to say that one <laughs> but also uh gilbert godfrey's amazing colossal yes. podcast yes Rest uh, in gilbert. it's yeah and it's also just the stories are incredible and then, i mean if 
I don't know if anybody is ever like, what are you interested in, Aaron? Just be like, just listen to that podcast. That's yeah. that stuff. Monsters, you know, like, I mean, I don't know that and, and old showbiz stories and stories about, I don't know, just kind of the behind the scenes of, and, and people that like, uh, cause the business I, it used to be a lot more intimate. Uh, now it's huge, but mm -hmm. it's, it's always been pretty big. So there's these people that, um, that uh, take up these little pockets of time and, yeah. um, and you, and the, it's easy to just kind of, if enough time passes, you don't know who they are. Cause yeah. if I went up to somebody and said like, do you know who George Burns is? They'd be like, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's fine, whatever. It's fine. It's not like I'm, it's not, I mean, I'm only 39. It's not like I'm like, you whippersnappers don't know. I, it's not that <laughs> at all. It's no. just, uh, so I, so, and I'm interested in, in, yeah, just monsters and stuff. I don't know. That's so, yeah, that's my favorite podcast. Well, yeah, but the only reason I asked the, uh, the book one, because, uh, this is the other one we do, cause there's a lot of folks that listen to this that are animators. There's a lot of folks that listen to this that are voice actors. And there's a lot of folks that are trying to break into those two professions. So one thing I love doing, and this actually started with Tom Cito. Uh, he was an author and he had a whole bunch of books on him and he would just recommend some books to me. Um, so this is one we like to do. What is there a book or two on voice acting or even two books that you absolutely love that might deal with animation or outside of animation or two books that you think every person should have on their shelves? I listened to uh, Rob Paulson's book that he most Yes, it is so out. good. I, no, I, didn't I read it. I read that one. Yeah. And that was, uh, it was beautiful. It, is, it was amazing. Um and and also just about adversity and, and i don't know it was it was it was really it was really great so in, in terms of voice acting there's that um and it, this is not about voice acting or animation but bruce campbell's book yeah because he talks about the spirit that everybody has now which is let's get our iphone and make a movie let's do a podcast mm -hmm. you know like that spirit of just the diy you know, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and all those guys were doing that in Detroit even back then. And uh, and it also is kind of a mind your manners kind of a thing when it comes to being an actor. Yeah. Uh, what it is to and and what it is to to. You're like a person who does acting, but maybe not an actor. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, I'm an actor and they yeah. define themselves as such. So when they don't get the part, they feel like a bad person. You know what I mean? Whereas like, you can just be a person who acts, you know what I mean? Uh, so because when it comes to voice acting, or at least for me, it has to do with just being a fucking nice guy. Yeah. Just kind of and being and not coming in and dicking around. I mean, like that, just, you know, just being nice. I think that's why Gendy and I work together well, because... That's what it's kind of all about. Sorry, I just went on. I stood up on a soapbox. Let me get oh, off. You're perfectly fine. The books, but so, but anyway, yeah. So, so like, I just recently listened to that one, and it was just it gave me a lot of good feeling. It was, you know, because it because it's it's sentiment that can be applied now. And now we've got phones, and we can do shit, you know. And we have got microphones and computers, and I mean, like, I don't do all the podcasts I'm asked to do i don't get asked to do a shitload but some of them i just go ah, yeah, i'm not gonna do that but you know right now it's like i've always wondered like what my 
era was going to be, you know what I mean? Because I'm so obsessed with the eras of the past mm-hmm. and listening to fucking Gilbert Godfrey's podcast and having him talk about the 50s and the 40s and, the, you know, and and and, uh, and and have people on from that were there, you know, and I and I think about my era and I'm like, this is my era. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. I'm living room and talking to somebody from Florida <laughs> about this thing that I do. You know what I mean? It's it's great. Yeah. It really is, man. And it's crazy how connected we are not 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 a sense like you and i but just connected that we are as a people right how you're sitting where you're sitting i'm sitting where i'm sitting and it's fucking wild to think that we're on opposite sides of the country and then we're talking to each other through fucking space that's bouncing off of metal up there that's bouncing back down to here and we're looking at each other from across the country it's fucking wild when you think about it um and what i absolutely love about podcasting in particular is you don't have to have a set script. You don't have to have really anything. To, I love what you fucking do. That's why I wanted you on. And I'm so glad you said yes. And the simple fact that I get to sit here and talk to you and pick your brain for just a little while. It's fucking baffling. Like I've had so some of those people that you mentioned, I've had on my podcast. Rob Paulson was my first episode that I released. Right. I've had Billy West on. I told them and I had Billy West on. Before, I think it was before episode 10. And I literally looked at Billy West during the middle of the podcast. They might even be. I think it was right. Right in the middle. I was like, dude, I've peaked. I was like, I had my two favorite, like the voices that I hear from a little kid to now for every character they've ever done. Those are the voices that I hear. I hear those. Right. Well, and it's the, fucking yeah. wild. The thing is, too, is, you know, for me, I, especially <clears throat> as a the podcast is that um, when you say Rob Paulson and Billy West and, you know, I've never met either one of them. Mm-hmm. I've never worked. With I think maybe we might have done some, something, but I never worked with either one of them but they all worked with each other yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like, there's something that i but once so i feel like i'm kind of missing that i feel like i'm missing that influence i but i but i'm you know pe- friends with people like eric bauza where we we get to be like experiencing each other maybe outside of the voiceover booth and we get a chance to like just kind of talk and i get to sort of hear him comment about his experience and what he's doing and how ha- and his 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 uh thoughts about the craft of voice acting you know that is amazing um but with podcasts i feel like you know in the years where i was like miles away from getting to do anything even remotely like this i listened to podcasts Mm -hmm. and uh, they were able to get a little bit more intimate because they were recorded in people's living rooms yeah or in people's garages you know like so people could get more candid. And so in a way, I feel like I've been the beneficiary of a wave of inspiration that didn't exist before. Absolutely. If you, if I, if you were a voice actor and you live, you know, somebody like you hear people like Bob Bergen talk about like, you know, being a kid and, and, and really having, having to go the extra mile to research people like Mel Blanc and you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and really now uh, any kid who's interested in any given subject, can just look it up on youtube it's at your finger i mean that's what i almost every night as i just anything i'm curious about i just look up and i just watch these weird little documentaries about any subject yes so great i don't know sorry i'm yeah oh no you're perfectly fine is there like a bunch of questions do we do you want to do like a rapid fire kind of yeah we'll do we'll do as many as we got time for uh and yeah but there there is and it's funny you brought up bob i got bob coming on in a couple weeks um I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, 
This one's really good, man. This is from prestigious underscore skill. Uh, what's it like voice acting on a show with almost no dialogue versus a show with dialogue? What are some of the similarities and differences that you'll have for those? Um, I mean, I think that like, it really is just come, it, it comes, uh, it's really variety mm -hmm. because when you're playing a character and you're, going through a whole emotion i don't know it's interesting uh, primal is more beat by beat yeah but it's the same principle it's the same principle but primal is more sort of emotional and uh with, with emotional intention whereas like there's also in dialogue there's just sentiments that are added mm -hmm. that uh, you can emphasize certain words and i mean you could do the same thing with grunting i mean you know with some of the <laughs> like when uh spear is standing on the beach and just being like what are you doing you know what i mean like that kind of stuff it's a it's an interesting it's it's just a unique challenge to, uh to uh because i get to like i said before i get to rely on the picture the amazing yeah. picture i just don't get to rely on dialogue to get my point across so it's um so if if i don't get to rely on dialogue i get to see this incredible animation that has so much um emotion in it already Mm -hmm. and so uh i'm just kind of adding to the emotion i there was a moment okay you, if you asked sorry you asked me before what's my favorite gendy moment and it's just one moment and it was it was in the um i i'm so embarrassed i don't remember but the one with the mammoth uh uh a cold death and uh spear at one point in the episode i can't remember exactly when but at one point just kind of went <laughs> And the breathing out and seeing the breath, and I could hear Gendy go, "He's alive." <laughs> like he actually said that in kind of just a funny, tossed-off way. Yeah. But it was beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. So yeah. Cool man. Uh, this one made me laugh out loud in the middle of a public store, and I got a bunch of looks like I was crazy. But uh, this guy wanted to know. How does he hype himself up to go monkey mode? And he spelled monkey, M-O-N-K-E. I thought that was hilarious. I don't know why I thought it was so funny, but to go monkey mode. Uh, it, obviously, you talked about you know singing opera, 90s hip hop, a lot of Snoop. Um, but is there anything that you do when you have to go like super, no pun intended, when you have to go super primal for Spear? Is there anything that you do to hype yourself up to get in that headspace? Yeah, I, I go, I, I sort of take heaving breaths and I go... <laughs> <laughs> i stick my tongue out yeah. and just kind of like it's there's something about because um going from like totally still to then like snapping into like it kind of messes with your jaw a little bit yeah and i don't know i think i i have I, I, my teeth are kind of messed up and i have kind of an overbite so my jaw is a little i have a little bit of pain in my jaw so i should kind of get it going and to just kind of heave so mm -hmm. that you can just kind of like fill yourself up with oxygen and yeah. so that when you go like or whatever it doesn't you know it doesn't hurt you so that's yeah that's how i do it. it's purely mechanical because the the emotion will I, the the emotion will just come out yeah you know. um <clears throat> uh the next one um this one's a hypothetical because i don't i know they have not named it at least in the credits so far because I, I wanted to look for this one to ask this question uh but uh that twd fan 09 wants to know um hypothetically what are the names of fangs hatchlings with red uh do they have canon names and if not what would you name them so this is a hypothetical for you if you could name fangs two 
dinosaur babies, what would you name them? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, Stephen and Gerald. Hey, those are great names. Gerald sounds like he'd have a top hat. Um, <laughs> Endless Resets wants to know, uh, what do you want most for Spear? And what would be a happy ending in your eyes for the character Spear? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I, you know, I, I think that I would just say if there was... Uh... I can't say exactly. There's there's something about redemption, mm -hmm. and whether that redemption comes from like an action or a feeling or a relationship or something. But obviously, like what happens to him in the very beginning episode, <laughs> what happens to his family, that there would somehow be some kind of full circle thing i mean i but but i the thing about it is is that like i am i'm being completely honest with you mm -hmm. this is all ambiguous to me yeah in terms of like you know what i mean like in terms of where where it's going mm -hmm. you know it's 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 all ambiguous so it's like i can't i mean obviously uh it's not like i do interviews about primal all the time and they yeah. don't want need me to Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody's going to do an interview about Primal, it's going to be Gendy or Scott yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like one of the producers. And so um, I, uh, it's not about like an NDA or anything. It really is just kind of like they're, this is, they're going wherever they want to go with it. Yeah. And I am either, and I'm just, and I am, I am, I am just along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, totally. And, uh, but I, but what I would, I mean, I, some kind of, full circle redemption mm -hmm. would be nice. Absolutely. I think it'd be a beautiful way. Um, <clears throat> uh, Nickelode wants to know what has been his favorite character design. So is there any character out there? Look, let's take spear completely out of it. So we have to make you think about the other characters. Just the, 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 the big bats. Yeah. In, uh, in uh, under the blood moon, or I think it's called blood moon, or something. Could you under imagine those bastards swooping down and picking you up when you're going out to your car? I just, I just loved it because I was just so like, you know, I mean, again, this is just me as a fan saying like, I loved that you know Frankenstein was kind of represented in Rage of the Eight Men. Mm -hmm. I I love that Dracula. I love that zombies. You know, even though like I know that maybe Gendy wouldn't say zombie. I don't know. You know what I mean? I but I like. I, you know, because I love monsters. Yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, the bats and also the in, in the Plague of Madness, mm -hmm. uh, the zombified, I mean, because that's what we say. Dinosaur was incredible. You know, yeah. It was incredible. Spooky as shit, too. Uh, Burke Wobb, I think I pronounced that one right. Uh, <clears throat> God damn. Uh, <clears throat> God. If you were put in the world of primal, how long would you survive? And how would you last longer than an hour? So they're not really giving you much hope here. I think they said you're only going to really last an hour. But if you were in the world of Primal, how long do you think you'd last? I would make an apron out of palm fronds and just clean <laughs> spear his cave so he would protect me. I mean, like I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would oh. I would survive as long as Spear wanted to protect me from all the things that I would be completely ill-equipped to handle. 
uh, there was a lot of people that wanted, uh, a lot of people were hoping that you would do this interview in character. That's what a couple of those questions were. They're like, man, I really hope he does it in character. <laughs> um, what, uh, so we, we talked about this a little bit, but we didn't go into detail. So maybe you might be able to throw out, uh, maybe just a, a point here for this one, but, uh, what challenges arise? Um, nope to take that back. Uh, Will you have more spoken lines going forward? Consider that Spear seems to get more civilized slowly as the show goes on. Obviously, you can't talk about what's coming next. But do you think that he'll start to learn more vocabulary as he's opening up his world of expansion? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Because I think that, like, yeah, that would seem like that it would go in that direction. But I think that, uh, you know, people make a big deal out of the fact that it's and that there's no dialogue and and that is a big part of it but you know and the animation is about well i don't know what it's about but for me it's about movement yes it's about you know visual storytelling and um i mean like silent comedies like charlie chaplin and buster keaton you know what killed their movies cartoons oh cartoons because you could do something in a cartoon that was just crazy and it yes. didn't have to, you can still be silent. And uh, even though you, we look back and we see the house falling on it, it's the most incredible thing you've ever saw, mm-hmm. but people just kind of seeing the animated cartoons and seeing that you could, I mean, it's the first time anybody saw anything like that where anything could happen on the yes. screen. So what was the question again? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, you're perfectly fine. I just swiped. Uh, do you think that he'll gain more lines or he'll oh, gain more of a vocabulary just, as it progresses? So I think that like, I think that it's not, I don't know if uh, it ever has been. Uh, and I don't think, oh, let me put it this way. This is just my opinion. Okay. I don't think it needs to be about him learning how to speak. Absolutely. I think it, I think that because even if he started, if he had a British accent and started just talking, he can't speak uh fang and him uh, their relationship you know what i mean like it's yes. and also too it's if you want to talk about like if you want to talk about like diversity inclusion mm-hmm. many different people many different types many different experiences all coming together and relating to each other fighting each other coming to understand each other that um there shouldn't be that much there shouldn't be Yes, absolutely. There just there just shouldn't be. So, uh, but um, and there's something to be said about you know what's neat about the show too is that obviously it's really big now, but it's also like all over the world. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't have to speak English. There's no like you don't. I mean, it's just all over the world. It's all about feeling, and I think it's kind of neat to sort of go back to that because that's what it what used to be. And then people were like, I don't know about this sound business how it's going to change everything you know what i mean it's like well obviously there's going to be fucking sound in movies you assholes but it's cool to kind of go back and also too that i mean okay sorry i'm going to just go out on a fucking limb here for a second go for it it's similar to this uh in the 50s and late 50s uh cheap programming for new television stations were old horror movies Mm -hmm. so uh the children of the late 50s 60s and on up when they were kids, in addition to kid shows, cartoon shows, whatever, they watched Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, the Invisible Man, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, all that kind of universal monster stuff. That stuff 
was made years before they were born. It's a trend. You know what I mean? It's like a trend that uh, that uh, kids shouldn't be watching something from that far. ago. But they were. And when those kids came of age, it was the 80s. And it was Steven Spielberg, (laughs) you know, and George Lucas. And you know what I mean? Like and, 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 and all the people that made the movies. So. I, what's what's neat is like now as much as like obviously there's all kinds of streaming and it's you got to get all these things and everybody thinks about how bad everything is kids you know like i would walk into a video store and i could i i could there were so many movies right there and you could just choose yeah. well now that is the case too you can just choose now unfortunately people are looking at their phones a lot and kind of messing around on their phones but you know any kid that has a particular interest can go in that direction so i would think that primal is the kind of thing that would it's like a lightning rod of inspiration you know for these kids very much and and so and and uh animation without what i'm getting at is animation without dialogue happened long before these kids were born oh yeah so now being treated to it again and they are going to value it hopefully oh they might not it, it might be the same way it was with me when i was a younger kid uh, I, I I loved Samurai Jack, but I could not appreciate it for what it truly was an absolute masterpiece. Um, it wasn't until I you know gained a little bit of perspective, got a little older and looked at it again from a different lens almost 20 years after the fact. Um, and I was like, wow, this is something special. It's gonna be the same thing with Primal. Yeah, I think also too, it's I feel like with Gendy, I, I, I uh, this is just what this is just my opinion of him that it is his taste. Yes. The obvious taste of his collaborators, but it is his taste. And so you either can, it can either be yours or not. But boy, is he inching his way into universality. (laughs) He always has been there. You know what I mean? A universal appeal. It's just that, like, you know, it's just interesting, like the value of cartoons and how people say, like, well, I don't watch cartoons. Do you watch Rick and Morty? Well, yeah, I always watch Rick and Morty. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's it's interesting uh it's interesting uh yeah anyway let's get on with some questions so we can get these people's questions in absolutely um man uh how do you feel how do you feel about the egyptian queen um i mean i i think she's uh a force to be reckoned with yeah yeah, I don't really think my I mean I just she's she's awesome. I love the design. Uh and I think uh you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot there's just a lot of like it's interesting to see an animated show and see the choices being made. Yes. You know what I mean like the ruthless like when you watch it's like, you know, I mean I'm not comparing the two, but when some people watch like Game of Thrones or something and like something happens mm-hmm. or some character does something that is that just shocks you you know what i mean like and i feel like there's a lot of uh, the whole show is filled with characters like that spear being one of them absolutely it's like holy shit (laughs) you know it's and not like it's not like you're i don't know it just i mean i i i'm feel lucky that uh i feel like i mean i'm joking when i say this but i feel like i'm the i'm the fan i'm the fan that gets to see it first every time (laughs) hey that's the best you can because everybody's working on it, and of course they're all fans, but they work on it. They're the ones making it. So I feel like at the towards the end of when it's all kind of being mixed together, I get a, a fan gets to come in 
and like experience it. But I don't take the experience in completely. I try to forget everything I saw. Yeah. So that when I leave, I just call my girlfriend. I start talking to her about something else mm-hmm. so that I can just forget it. And also, too, I'm not supposed to talk about it. So it's fine. Even if yeah. somebody did want to talk about it, I wouldn't know what the fuck to tell them <laughs> because I'm just like, I don't know, man. It's going to be cool. Whatever. You'll, it'll be It's coming out, you know. Yeah, like I said, there's something special about you liking what you do translates on the screen. Like they would not be putting out this amazing show if they didn't care about it, if they didn't like it, if it was half-assed, like, man, I'm just doing this for a paycheck. You can tell from the first pencil that's hitting that iPad to the first voice that's bumping up against that mic, you guys are loving what you're doing, and we appreciate that. Um, Nozaki Mufasa wants to know, uh, what's your favorite dinosaur? Um, there's something about a Brachiosaurus. And the reason why is because I did have one of those theatrical sort of transcendent experiences when I saw Jurassic Park for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and seeing the Brachiosaurus for the first time. And even like just, just seeing a fleshed out dinosaur out in the sun like that for the first time on a big screen was, you know, it's like, it's akin to like people that went and saw King Kong when it was yeah. in the theater. You know what I mean? You're just like, holy, holy shit. shit. And I yeah. Dinosaur. Like if I, when I think of a dinosaur, my favorite uh, gas station is Sinclair with the green dino, the green brontosaurus. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a brontosaurus. And that's why the plague of madness was also cool. And so like, there's such peaceful creatures and then you're just, it's just upsetting, you know, in yeah. addition to being scared. I've always been quite fond of the Triceratops myself. Um, uh, oh, this is it's a this is a two parter. So, <clears throat> and what dinosaur or creature that hasn't appeared in Primal would you want to see if you could? So, is there a creature or a monster that you haven't seen yet that you would absolutely love to see? I mean, boy, I, you know, I can't really say. I mean, I don't because I don't think I could be as creative as what what's already there i mean it's i like my anything i would just say anything uh i love seeing dinosaurs but anything that's like monster related you know that's kind of my that's what i like and so i feel like you know i mean in a way what i thought was so cool too is and i'm reading into this but you've got dracula with the bats you have frankenstein rage of the eggman and you almost have like the invisible man with the night uh feeder yes where the thread is out there and it's invisible even though it's not but you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't know it's so so i i get a kick out of those ones anything that's like monster related or or um yeah have you ever been out to florida i live i built habitat for humanity houses just south of miami for like for a while when i was about 19 yeah. And the only time I've ever been out there and we went down to Key West a couple of times, but I mean, like I just lived in South, South Miami would go to South Beach every now and again, but that's, yeah, that's, just, that's the only time I've ever been out there. If you ever get the chance to come out here, let me know ahead of time and I'll, <clears throat> I'll send you a link for it. Uh, the creature of the black lagoon was actually filmed out in Ocala. So they still have the statue that sunk below where they were doing the diving and stuff. And you can go actually go and snorkel and see it. So if you ever get to come out here, I'll send you the address and then you can hook it up. Love that. So, yeah. Um, uh, this one's fun. You don't have to do this one if you don't want to, but Rick the squirrel wants to know what would a conversation between the Duke and spear be like? How would that conversation go? Um, 
Well, well, well. I've been waiting for you, Mr. Spear. Anyone who's anyone has heard of the likes of you. Thank you for your patronage. <laughs> ah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> uh, oh, we already did that one. Um, this one, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll end it on this one. Um, this one I thought was funny. Uh, I thought they were being a dick, but you know he's, he they explained it after. Uh, but like I said, this one I thought was funny. Uh, I have just one question, and I pro I apologize if I pronounce this incorrectly. Hua Hong Ha, sincerely, a concerned primal fan. So, what would you like to tell them? They were concerned, is what they said. I and I hope that's I hope that's the answer you were looking for, concerned primal fan. But like I said, Aaron, <clears throat> this has been an absolute blast, an absolute treat for me. I loved getting to talk to you, pick your brain for a little while. Uh, like I know, I know you've done more than primal, but this show is like I, like I told you at the beginning. This show is so special. It's so beautiful. This is a film that we're getting ten episodes. I think it's ten or twelve episodes at twenty minutes a pop each week. Uh, like I said, there from start to finish, this is amazing this is a masterpiece and you're a huge part of that as well man um where can the fans go and find you they say hey i know you dropped the a little bit earlier your instagram oh yeah instagram handle, well, but where yeah. can they find you um i have twitter it's aaron Le, at aaron laplant five but i don't twitter is not something that i i don't even know every time i look at it i'm like what the, what the fuck is going it's just it's a dumpster fire reaction. yeah well you try to trace it back to what people are reacting to and it's just like and then I think, I don't know, there's like this, I, um, I'm, I, I like to just kind of do stuff mm -hmm. and then like not try to stoke the fires of my own, I don't know, like tweeting and just being like, Hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's more, if I'm like going through my life and there's something fucking weird or funny, I'll post it. Or if I have a picture with my girlfriend she's fucking gorgeous we'll just like take a picture and then be like i have a fucking gorgeous girlfriend you guys look at her yeah that kind of shit i like that kind of stuff but other than that like the kind of check-ins and the like and if there's something coming out i go hey check me out on this or whatever so that's just kind of there but i don't really engage with it and with instagram i fucking waste my time with it just like everybody does all, way too much and so you know like uh but i so yeah, so Duder three at Duder three D O O D E R three. I should probably change it to like Aaron Spear, whatever the fuck. I, you know, somebody probably already took that one, but um, but so yeah, uh, that's where you can find me. And then otherwise, I mean, like if you go on, if you just go on like uh, YouTube and just type in my name. In fact, you, if you go on on YouTube and just type in my name, you can see the um the panel that we did at Comic Con. Somebody filmed it. Yeah, and it's. We did it. We did a table read where Gendy read the action lines, and I did Spears' voice. And, uh, it was weird at first. People were just kind of like, "What are they doing?" But then I started really getting after it, and they were like, they started cheering. It was fucking great. So you can, yeah, you know, because I also do sketch comedy. You can find all kinds of weird shit that I did in the past. So check <laughs> that out. That's a great plug. You can find a whole bunch of weird shit I did back in the day. Just Google it, man. Uh, I, there's there's one there's one that I did. So there's one that I did once. 
that I made for like a film and stage festival. And it was called The Dog Talker. And it was me with my phone <laughs> filming like I was a guy who was trying to tell sell a show called The Dog Talker. Yeah. And the like part of the bit was like, okay, we all have heard of the dog whisperer, but what does that do? Hey, get off the couch. Or hey, get off the couch. Like so it was like this whole thing. And I and I filmed it as if it was like a pitch to the networks. And we showed it and it's super weird. And I I I weigh so much more than I do now. It's the weirdest thing ever. And and I look at it every now and again, and there are people like going like spear. <laughs> just like, like, you know because that's another thing it's a new day it's like i just i work i mean i'm a voice actor i'm lucky to be a voice actor for a living but i don't work that much i mean i i get by you know it's like job to job so it's interesting like now when you see these people who are on these big shows mm -hmm. You go back and look at their career. You're going to find these weird little videos <laughs> that they did when they didn't had didn't have anything going on, you know. And I think that it's it's interesting. It's like the humble beginnings, which you can see that stuff now. Like, but it's so neat to like look back. I am certainly not comparing myself, but when you look back to like mm -hmm. Spielberg and you see like that's the, the the first movies that he did or what you know what I mean. Like it's it's interesting to see people kind of cutting their teeth and there's not really a way to like cut your teeth on voiceover other than to just be in your room and do voices into yeah. your computer you know what i mean and just try to put together a reel absolutely man we'll uh, we'll end it with this <clears throat> so about two years ago once uh covid started uh i was home almost all the time with the oldest son we didn't have the baby yet and uh my wife was the one working so Generally, when she was working, I would be, I already cook at home anyways, but I was cleaning. I was, you know, I was just trying to do everything I could to make sure the house was good. The food was good. You know, nobody had to worry. Nobody had to stress. Um, Cause like I said, I was at home. I have uh, two Huskies, right? I have a female and a male. The female's name is Ollie and the male's name is Diggle. Uh, if you ever watched the Green Arrow show, Ollie and Diggle were the two characters. That's what I named them after, right? Um, so the female is extremely intelligent. The male is extremely dumb. Uh, he, you look at him, sweetest dog I've ever had in my life, dumb as a box of rocks. You look at the female, you're like, oh, you're an actual person in there, right? So I had had a pretty big bag of THC laced cookies that day, and I was doing, you know, just my my husbandly duties, and I'm scrubbing the toilet, right downstairs. I'm scrubbing the toilet, making sure it's all clean, wiping it down, and I hear hello. And I look back and Ollie, my female husky, she's behind me. And I'm like, no, get the fuck out of here. And I looked at her, I'm like, do it again. And then she's just looking, her tail's wagging, her tail's wagging, and no sound I'm like, I heard you talk, do it again. Nothing, right? So I go back and I'm cleaning the toilet. I had forgot about the cookies I'd had. Cleaning the toilet. And I said, I hear, I said, hello. And I shut the fuck up. Do it again. I felt like I was in that. Uh, I can't remember the frog's name, but uh, hello, my baby. Hello, my oh, dog. Yeah, Michigan J Frog. Thank you. I, I knew. Yeah. So I yeah. felt like that's what it was going to be. I was like, oh my fucking God, nobody is going to fucking believe. And I'm talking out loud. I was like, nobody's going to fucking believe me that my dog can talk. All I've ever wanted is my dog can talk. She's talking. Nobody's fucking here. Nobody's going to believe it. I was losing my shit. Right. And then all I hear is pick up your fucking phone. And I'm like, oh shit. I didn't realize I had butt dialed my wife. So she she was on she was on speaker hearing me convinced that my dog could talk. And all it was was THC lace cookies. Ladies and gentlemen, so if you think your dog can talk, you're probably dogs. Uh, and I've heard him say this in interviews, so I'm not speaking out of school, but Fang is based off of Gendy's dog. 
Really? He has a big same card. And so some of the actions of Fang is like a big, having a big dog, mm-hmm. especially getting like out by the butterflies yeah. in that one scene. Yeah. Anyway. That's pretty cool, man. But uh, like I said, Aaron, I'm so glad you came on this show. He's been Thanks Aaron. Oh, man, anytime you want to come back on, let me know, man. We'll set something up. Because like I said, this is a blast, a real treat for me. Uh, but uh, he's been Aaron. I've been Julian. This the What's in My Head podcast. And this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night. My guest next week is Matthias Lechner. Enjoy the teaser. What's that feeling like when your movie, obviously going to a theater is one thing, but Netflix at 7 o'clock p.m. PST, we'll say, right? Mm. It drops. It is open to millions of viewers at once. What is that feeling like, knowing that it's out there for everybody to see right now? Um, It's... Well, it's it's my first time, so it wasn't quite as exciting as when a Disney movie drops. Yeah, um, because there's a lot of you know anticipation and drums being beat before mm-hmm. the movie comes out, and there's hardcore fans. It comes into the cinema that was before pandemic, um, and and then you get the numbers, and it's a good weekend or not a good weekend, and hopefully it's a hit, and all that stuff. In Netflix, um, they didn't. There was not much advertising for the movie. Yes. So. Um, Everybody I knew and had worked on the movie and everybody I could engage was like, put it out on social media, talk about it, put it on, you know, like, so I've never really pushed a movie on social media, but this one I tried as much as possible because you have to get on the top 10, mm. you know, then people start seeing it. And I, I was pretty convinced if people see it, they're probably going to like it because, you know, I, I like it. So yeah. um, you kind of hope, you know, yeah. Um, so uh, what was exciting was um, seeing it in the cinema. Like we had, like I said, we did it in the pandemic. So um, the screen I was working on was like, like I'm looking at you right now. It's a computer screen. And we only had like a couple of times where we quick check, checked in the cinema if it, if it kind of checks out a couple of sequences. But to see the whole thing in the cinema for the first time was amazing. And that was an Annecy. And so you have this, I don't know how many people were there, like 900 animation nerds in one cinema <laughs> and you show your movie for the first time oh sorry oh you're fine uh, you sh- sorry oh, yeah. uh, you, so you you show your movie to that crowd and they're they're excited that that was like the best because um yeah i mean i i mean we did make the movie on a little screen and it is made for tv in some way because it's netflix but um but it's we also try to make we all want to make cinema movies really you know so yeah hey guys thanks for listening if you're enjoying the episode give us a like give us a subscribe give us a review and rating wherever you're listening to this podcast out it helps us tremendously it's free and it helps other fans of animation and pop culture find us thank you guys again and i'll see you next week